While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. So tonight, um, I'm thinking about just those two short verses. Mary in this moment of labor. So I've never given birth myself, but I have witnessed it at the bedside of my older sister, Grace, when she was giving birth to my niece, Amanda. So I remember that moment of Grace like groaning and pushing and breathing amid blood, sweat, and tears. And then seeing that moment when the crown of Amanda's head appeared. And then suddenly this cry of new life just piercing the air. And then this flood of just relief um, and joy um, and exhaustion. I mean, there's really no other experience like it in the world. And sometimes like listening to women who have given birth, it's like listening to veterans swapping war stories. Um, Valerie Kaur describes labor as imperfect, bloody, fierce, and life-giving. There's this comedian, um, Jim Gaffigan, who many of you have heard of, and he talks about his wife giving birth to their five children at home and marveling about how amazing women are. So he says, a woman can grow a baby inside her body. And then somehow a woman can deliver the baby through her body. Then by some miracle, a woman can feed a baby with her body. And when you think of the male contribution to life, it's kind of embarrassing, really. <laughs> you know, I've heard a number of women say that the experience of giving birth was the most powerful experience of their life, despite the pain and how powerful they felt giving birth to this child. And this strange juxtaposition of feeling so powerful and yet so vulnerable at the same time. Like, is there any other moment like childbirth in the range of human experience where strength and weakness and the power of life and the power of death come so close together? Like for so much of human history, pregnancy and childbirth were enormously dangerous for both the mother and the child. And while mortality rates have certainly gone down over time, the World Health Organization estimates that still over 300,000 women die in childbirth every year. It's life and death, strength and weakness, power and vulnerability coming together in this singular moment. So imagine Mary, you know, in our passage today. And she is in pain, you know, right on the edge of that danger, far from the safety and comfort of her familiar surroundings. You know, far, imagine being her, far from your family, from your mother, from a midwife, um, far from any ancestral wisdom that could show you how to do this. 
And in fact, we never actually hear about Mary's family and how they responded to her pregnancy or whether or not they believed her, if they received any angelic confirmation like Joseph did, or whether or not the last time she saw their faces, they were kicking her out of the house and disowning her for the shame that she brought upon their family. Maybe in this moment, she felt um, all alone in the world, except for her betrothed, um, Joseph. Maybe that's why she had to go with Joseph to Bethlehem, because she had nowhere else to go. And yet Mary said yes to God. And in so doing, she became what Orthodox Christians called Theotokos, the God-bearer, and all of the grace and all of the burden that comes with that. There's this book, it's called Strong and Weak, Embracing a Life of Love, Risk, and True Flourishing by Andy Crouch. And in this book, he talks about how um, each one of us longs to live lives of true flourishing, like not just to survive, but to really thrive and to be who God has called and created us to be in this world. And his argument is that Flourishing comes from being not just strong, but being both strong and weak, embracing both one's authority and one's vulnerability. And the way that he defines authority is he calls it the capacity for meaningful action. When you have authority, what you do or do not do makes a meaningful difference in the world around you. And this authority is meant to characterize every person who is made in the image of God, like even infants. So when my niece Amanda emerged from Grace's womb, she cried out, and boy, did we hear it, and respond to her. So that's authority. But vulnerability, the vulnerability that leads to flourishing, requires risk, which is the possibility of loss the chance that when we act, we will lose something that we value. In fact, that word vulnerable comes from this root word that means to wound. It's to open yourself up to the possibility that the result of your action in the world will be a wound, something lost, potentially never to be gained again. That doesn't sound um, that appealing, does it? And that's why we so often avoid vulnerability at all costs. Like people who have authority, but no vulnerability and who are never exposed to any kind of real meaningful risk to themselves, Andy Crouch says that that's the place of exploitation. That's when exploitation happens. What about those who are highly vulnerable, but they have no authority? no capacity for meaningful action in their lives or in the world. That is the place of suffering. And there's so many people in our world who are in that, in that space. And what about those who are neither vulnerable, truly, nor do they act in any meaningful way? Well, that's the place of withdrawal, you know, of apathy and denial. But true flourishing holds both of these things together in tension. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. 
he came to what was his own and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. Jesus is the one person who held both of these things fully and completely, full authority and full vulnerability, meaningful action and meaningful risk for those that he loves. Paul says in Philippians that he was in very nature God, and yet he didn't consider his authority something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a slave, being made in our likeness, human likeness, he made himself nothing, becoming as vulnerable as a baby born into this world. And that's what makes this moment one that the angels sang about, that the shepherds marveled about, that Mary treasured and pondered in her heart. But even beyond their vision in this moment, becoming vulnerable, even unto death, death on a cross. This is what God is like. This is who Jesus reveals to us, what God looks like in the flesh, both strong and weak. So what does this mean for us? You know, I want to be candid with you. Um, for me these days, I feel mostly weak. I feel tired. I feel vulnerable and woundable. And maybe you do too. And the truth is, is that we are always vulnerable. And this time that we're living in right now is only revealing what has always been true. And there are many in our society who feel this much more than others. You know, maybe you've been in denial or avoidance or resisting your vulnerability. Waking up to that reality is hard, but wake up, you must. Otherwise, you are living only an incomplete and pale shadow of the life abundant, the life of true flourishing that Christ came to give us. But we're not only vulnerable. You know, Jesus showed us that through his life and his death, his strength and his weakness, his authority and his vulnerability, that for the sake of love, both of these realities are both possible they are both necessary and both are our inheritance as children of God. We are capable of meaningful action as we expose ourselves to meaningful risk like Jesus did for the sake of love and for the healing of our world. That is why Christ came. That's why Christ was born into the world and why he went to the cross for us. So tonight marks the end of Advent and spend this season of longing and waiting and hopeful expectation. And it is the beginning tonight of Christmastide where we celebrate that light that shines in the darkness. So in my Advent devotional this past week, um, I read a poem by St. John of the Cross, who was a Spanish mystic in the 16th century. And it's called, If You Want. If you got our email today, Alicia also included that in the email. And this is how it goes. If you want, 
The virgin will come walking down the road, pregnant with the holy, and say, I need shelter for the night. Please take me inside your heart. The time is close. Then, under the roof of your soul, you will witness the sublime intimacy, the divine, the Christ taking birth forever as she grasps your hand for help. For each of us is the midwife of God, each of us. Yes, there, under the dome of your being, does creation come into existence externally through your womb, dear pilgrim, the sacred womb of your soul, as God grasps our arms for help. For each of us is his beloved servant, never far. If you want, the virgin will come walking down the street, pregnant with light, and sing. For some of us tonight, the question is simply, will you make room for Christ? As that Christmas hymn says, let every heart prepare him room. And so how is God calling you to prepare him room? under the roof of your soul? Like what needs to be cleared out and cleaned out, let go of and released so that you might receive him? For others, maybe the question is, in the midst of your vulnerability and the vulnerability of our world right now, what is being born in you, in the sacred womb of your soul? Maybe, it is asking the question, how am I called to be the midwife of God right now? Being a midwife is messy, bloody, risky work, and yet there is nothing more powerful. If you want, that is the invitation that God extends to us tonight, not to force us, but to invite us if you want. So where is your desire tonight? And how can you bring that desire for God, for Christ to be born, for that new life to be born in you in this season? Let's ask you to bow your heads and pray with me. God, we come to you, the one who was both strong and weak, the one in whom the power of death and the power of life lives, and you hold that for the sake of love, for the healing of our world. And God, tonight, we say that we want you. God, we want your life to be born in us. God, we want to be midwives of your kingdom, of your presence of your healing and freedom in this world. And so God, we ask, would you help us to make room in our hearts for you in this season and that wherever we are and whatever it is that we're going through, God, that we would just grasp your hand and let you do that deep work of new birth in us for the sake of your son, Jesus, the one we follow, the one we love, the one we worship tonight. We pray this all in his name. Amen.